This episode of the EDM podcast is brought to you by EDM Foundations. If you're a new producer and you're stuck with tutorials and you're not sure where to go, EDM Foundations might be the answer. We've had over 4,800 producers join and level up their foundational skills by practically making four pro-level tracks rather than learning a bunch of theory and concept. So if you want to stop wasting time and nail your music, head to edmprod.com slash edm-foundations. That's edmprod.com slash edm-foundations. Amazing, everybody. Welcome to the EDM Podcast. This is a show where we interview artists, producers, and anyone in electronic music. Uh, today, we are joined by Ben, aka Mild Minds. Uh, he is a producer originally from Melbourne. Uh, but is currently based in LA. His sound combines uh, elements of house, lo-fi, indie, funk, and into this kind of beautiful mesh of electronic music. Um, He's had releases on Odessa's Foreign Family and Counter Records and has done uh, an impressive remix for Tycho as well, which is pretty cool. And as of recently, he has another single come out. Uh, You had a single come out called Machine, and you also have another one coming out later this week when this episode airs called Haunted. So we'll talk about all of that. But for now, man, how are you? How's things? Pretty great. It's been a sunny um, summer over here in LA. Very normal. Um, awesome. Kind of just, yeah, continued on that that summer from Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah, it's like nice when you can kind of travel between countries and just like have an endless summer. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing yeah. that for a little too long, but fair enough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I might stay here um, even for winter. Yeah, fair enough. I guess it doesn't get too um, cold in LA, or does it get pretty chilly? It it gets cold in the night. Like you definitely need yeah. a jacket, and even the day. It, it reminds me of a cool, yeah, like late spring Melbourne, but it doesn't get full winter. And the main thing, it doesn't get super windy. Yeah, like Melbourne, yeah. Oh, fair enough, man. Awesome. Well, normally at the beginning of the interview, man, we kind of just dive into, um, you know, you and how you got into music because, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of your sound. I really love like the, as I mentioned, the combination of influences you kind of bring and into that kind of, you know, semi-house context. Um, yeah. it's Yeah. It's trying, I try in a way to like be a little genreless because- yeah. I don't know. That was the point of the project, really, just to be like yeah. more experimental and see what happens. Mm, yeah, I think it's definitely um, evident in the sound of your music, and yeah. you know, a label like Foreign Family definitely has like a roster of artists that you know has this very like kind of multi-genred sound. I think you know, Odessa themselves is yeah, kind I mean, of one of those up- everything pretty much in electronic music, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, definitely can hear that coming through, man. Um, but yeah, maybe do you want to dive into us a little bit for like how you got into music? Like, were you always musical as a kid or was that something that came later on in life? Yeah. I mean, in general, I just liked a lot of creative Mm. outlets. Basically it was like going to primary school and just being like, Oh, this is, it's much more fun to do sport and art than to do, um, you know, the hard stuff. So yeah. Well, not the, yeah, not the hard stuff, but the boring stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. 
I was just like, why wouldn't, you know, you as an adult just choose whatever makes you happy or whatever. So it was kind of like something I learned in primary school and then just started playing around with music when the first um, software started coming out for that and like Mm. was using FL Studio before it was like a thing Yeah, and um, playing around basically and just, yeah, since I was 12 or something and then... um, it was just so much fun. It was almost like you get a bit of joy out of just creating something and showing your friends, just like yeah, come to school, like look at the new song I made or whatever. And yeah. um, I was in a rock band at the time too. So I was just like programming gritty synths with distortion and trying to make it sound like guitar. So I could be like, bring the song to our band and be like, let's play this, you know? Yeah. Damn. Nice. Um, and yeah. And then just, I, I did film school and it was just like mildly tragic in the way that like, you know, it's like the teachers are always saying nobody can make it. No, there's like no work in this industry. Right. You're gonna have to step over each other. Blah blah blah. And I was at the same time I was doing music, and um, I got invited to LA to do some gigs and stuff. And I, I was having that mild existential crisis of like, what am I gonna do in five years? You know, which is yeah. was the first time I ever experienced that, and simply just because of how the film industry was and working for free and all that. And so as soon as this other stuff came along, it was like, okay, you get paid well um, or well enough, you know, like you don't have to work at a cafe. You can just do one DJ set or something. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, invited to these places, treated with respect rather than like the absolute bottom rung, which is what they do in the film industry. Right. Um, you know, you have to roll cables for free, like working mm. 12 hours a day just so that you can eventually like pull focus on a camera or something. You know, it's like yeah. not not cool. So, yeah, I just rolled with this. But ultimately, I would have been happy with any creative outlet. Um, mm. And this is also really useful because you, you have the control of what you make yourself. You know, with a film, it's it requires a lot of people. And that was another thing, just watching like all the cancellations, you know, everyone right. just not showing up and that kind of stuff so this was like an amazing way out and um mm. yeah that's cool man so yeah for you it was like an accessible creative outlet that allowed you to kind of have more control and you weren't limited i guess yeah by i guess the film industry is quite hierarchical in that sense like there's definitely like the directors at the top and then all the other people at the bottom. I don't know if, if it's it's just yeah. yeah, it's one one of those industries, probably like with something like architecture, which I was also interested in. They mm. um yeah, you just have to work as an apprentice, like for free or yeah. Um, you know, and the boss of the company just like takes all your work under their name for as long as they can, and they hire someone else and finally you can move up a little bit. Like mm. it's cool, like that makes sense, but it's not really yeah, I don't know. Maybe I had too much. Yeah, I think I had a, like a little bit too much ego to do something like that. Like, um, sure. Or self-respect, maybe you could say. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, you know, understanding that you're, you're worth a little bit more than that. And yeah, I think that's with anything in life. Like I would be fired from any full-time job because I would just be like saying, this isn't fair. I'm, you know, I shouldn't be working four hours overtime, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. then they would fire me. So I'm glad that I found this. <laughs> yeah well that's cool man so yeah and then you kind of picked up music for a bit um Mm. so at that point what you just kind of finished school and stuff like that like what did things look like when you started to focus on music and 
like how long was that journey before I guess you know you've gotten to where you are now um I mean if I'm honest like there was another project involved before which I like separate yep. from this project just for the sake of um yeah you know it's kind of fun to just completely separate it um and that mm. was the project that got me out of you you know got me out of uni got me started and that was probably within like around 18 months of of starting uni so around like 20 um 19 20 things were starting to look good and um yeah. but yeah by 21 i think it would have been i was just fully out just didn't doing music cool um yeah but there was there was a distinct difference like with with i noticed like a lot of other people who were doing similar stuff at the time like um were doing way more partying you know mm. and so my my method was just like go home and you know don't do drugs and just get more work done I, but i was also just yeah. super excited so i wanted to do that i wanted as soon as i got home from uni it was like all about the music so yeah you got ha- you got to kind of just have that attitude and I'm sure like anyone interested can really push for it as a a job if they just have that time. It's kind of funny. I've thought about this a lot, like, you know, especially in electronic music, uh, like obviously it's quite a broad, broad spectrum. So you have like, you know, the more dance music side of things, then you have like the more, you know, listening electronic music side of things. And I think regardless though, like all the people you see on stage are like, you know, at clubs or at festivals or, like playing shows it's like they a lot of them probably didn't get there by like well i mean (laughs) networking and stuff probably played a role when they went out and stuff maybe but a lot of the time it was actually just time spent in their rooms making music when they weren't going out and doing those things yeah it's kind of ironic i mean i did see a lot of networking going on that worked really well for a lot of people and i was like terrible at that i didn't even think of that as an option like it's just more like just for me, I was just like making the music and it was really fun socializing going out. That was the, that was the main thing, you know, I yeah. was doing that three times a week. So I'm not going to pretend I was, you know, not doing it, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. I, I, I just wasn't going till like 7am three nights a week. And um, sure. And yeah, but the networking side is huge and essential. Like I've only started thinking about that probably in the last five years and it was, yeah. It was just like, you know, just being friendly with people rather than like in your own little bubble is just yes. very helpful. So that's a huge thing in these days because to differentiate yourself from, because there's so many more musicians and so many more artists. So, yeah. but yeah, ultimately I've, you notice that there is a consistent theme with like some of the best artists are the ones that like live in their own bubble and just like make music like Kevin, like Tame Impala and, um, yeah. you know, even the avalanches like totally just hidden away for 20 years almost so it was like i think to be original there's a requirement to like almost ignore trends a little bit and ignore scenes um it makes it Mm. harder to get a start but it's like yeah there's there's those two ways of looking at it basically like either you intensely become part of something and and you can almost piggyback on that yeah um as everyone does in a good way or like um yeah, you can just hide away and hope that your amazing creativity might somehow shine through in some really original thing. So, yeah, yeah, they're the two extremes, I think, for electronic music. Definitely seems that way because I know, yeah, like as much as I'm, I'm also a big proponent of networking and I think it can increase your chances and it's not something that came naturally to me either as an artist. Like it took me 
a long time to get used to that. Like I'm an introvert by nature, funnily enough, but like it definitely helped. But yeah, there are people who don't do that and they still manage to, yeah, it still manages to work for them. I think just by really focusing on the quality of the art and yeah, they've got to be really good, <laughs> like really, thing, really, so. really good. Yeah, yeah. and just uh, like so, like what's the word? So good they you can't be ignored, pretty much. Like Basically. yeah, um. So yeah, look, b- both approaches work, and I think um, yeah, finding finding your strengths as an artist and and kind of making them work for you is um is a good approach. You know, if you are an introvert, there's things you can do to to make it work you know Mm -hmm. for sure man um i am curious to ask as well like for those people who are listening and might not know like in terms of you know you're obviously an australian artist like like you you and you were living in melbourne um was were you living in melbourne like you grew up here and stuff like that too right yeah yeah so i didn't leave there till i'd had at least five years kind of in the music industry i think yeah. And so I was in an established enough position that I could do that. And I wasn't intentionally trying to leave forever. It was meant to just be like writing an album overseas, you know. Sure. Um, and I got very tempted by the like, uh, I don't know. Like I, I, I think like the way LA looks aesthetically and everything was something that I was always into. Super yeah. like clean and bright. and Well, not clean, but, you know, bright colors and simple colors yeah. and things like that, which Melbourne's very like gray and... um dark and i i don't know i ne- never really gravitated to that so it was that side of it and then there was the the scene side of it too like i noticed quickly here that even if people just knew that you did something um mm. that or or that you you know were successful in what you do they were like aspire to or they they appreciated it whereas i had yep. at least for like a few years before that in melbourne felt very like um brought down by kind of anyone you know like pe- people there was a bit more of a tall poppy syndrome back then especially like in indian electronic music in that that era it was like it was cool to act too cool you know mm. that's how you had that's how you had a presence over people like people behave like that and not everyone but enough of them that it um yeah had this negativity to it and and made me feel shitty sometimes and i just didn't know how to deal with it and then i got here and it was like oh wait i'm not this person that they're like act so it's kind of like this freedom and i just yes. got addicted to that and you know it's a, it's a, such a big thing in australia like you know obviously a lot of people listening to this are probably in america or the uk or europe or something um but like in australia like yeah if I you're kind the of uk is a great example of somebody that has it too just to throw that in there it kind of it yeah. kind of does have a bit of like scene snobbery as well. I feel like yeah. you know every country has its like negative side of the music industry. I think um, probably every like, small town. Yeah, we just might not yeah. be aware. Like, totally. Yeah. I mean, America. Yeah. Well, I was talking to um, a guy called Anki, uh, who is actually from the UK. His his episode's coming out next week after this one, and um, he was like, "Yeah, the problem is in the UK. Like, just you know." It's just a scene, like scene snobbery thing. And then we're talking about America. Like the problem with America is that things crash and burn really fast in America. Like you get these mega trends that kind of like grow really big and then suddenly That's like- interesting because I feel differently about that being here. Interesting. I feel like, you know, with my other project, we we were able to sustain long momentum here easily. Right. Wow. In Australia, it had way more of a like- um, spike like everyone in Australia wants the newest best thing all the time right I, I, I think more so they have way less loyalty you know Interesting. And, um, 
radio is partly involved in that, but it's more just like a hum, just like a, a youthful Australian mentality of like trying to be onto the newest thing all the time. And um, yeah, yeah. And whereas I felt in America and South America and things like that, it was actually like you could literally do nothing for three years and people still like you the same amount. Really, know? that's fascinating. Yeah. Okay, I've. I've never heard that, but that's um, I guess yeah, that's your experience, and that's that's really interesting because um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that there are still a lot of people like yourself who who definitely move over um to the US because there is you know more longevity, I suppose in in that scene because there's more support in places like LA for the music industry. Um, so I guess there has to be something good about going over there, right? There has to be a reason why everyone does move. So. Mm-hmm. it's it's a, it's like berlin or something like it's yeah. a good base yeah so when you can have a base that you know, there's 25 cities around you know a fight few hour flight yeah um whereas australia is really limited to those four or five so you, you just generally go very hard for um three to five years and then you die out like that's kind of you either have to become more commercial or you die out like it's very hard to sustain a, a certain mm. level for too long in australia and if you do, you just become not cool instantly. Like that that's just how it works. Like once you're three, four years in, unless you're doing bigger, better things, you just become old news. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I feel like I don't know, it's different. It's very interesting, man. That's cool. Um I wanna switch things up a little bit now and I wanna talk about your kind of writing process and production. Mm-hmm. Um I wanted to start off by asking, like, do you use a lot of, like, instruments in your writing process or are you mostly in the box? Like, what what does that look like for you? Yeah, mostly in the box. A bit of uh, – I use the synth analog keys on the first yep. album a bit. Cool. Um, and, yeah, other than that, like, mostly in the box. You know, yeah. It's real, no. but, I, but I use a lot of – plugins that represent actual gear yeah like the uh, analog emulations yeah and things like that and i used to be a bit eye rolly with them like i didn't think they did too much i was like oh what's the difference between ableton delay and a space echo you know i can do that with the ableton delay and it's like yeah no as soon as i started using these interesting plugins that just gave things more grit and depth and weirdness it was mm. that was where the character came from. So right, yeah, like adding th- there is th- those subtle differences between just like a clean delay and like you know an analog kind of emulation. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you definitely With like can- saturation in it and yeah, you know, a bit of modulation things. But um, yeah, I don't think I would ever make a song if I had to use only analog gear. Just wouldn't happen. Too slow. It's a very yeah that. This is the one thing I've had. A, I've had a few hardware rants with people on this podcast yeah. because I think, like, yeah, new producers like look at the gear in someone's studio and they're like, "Oh man, that looks so cool!" Like, I wish I had all this stuff. But it's like mm-hmm. it's just a pain in the ass to use all of mm-hmm. that in a in like in a. Not that music's all about efficiency, but I feel like your workflow and like getting your ideas down like fast before you forget them is very important. I feel oh, like yeah. half the time, the like older if I you get, get the quicker you forget them. So yeah, like yeah, it's just, um, and in, in this day and age with like turnover, you got to be quick. Like yeah, so, it's like some guys like you know you're like jamming out in your fully analog setup, and some guys just like banging out pretty much like 
really still really good tunes without doing that all, all in his computer yeah. using the same things but yeah. the plug-in versions and it's like you know yeah mm. it's it's hard to balance i know some people like hardware and it's fine to use but yeah definitely it can it can become a it can become like a a burden a burden if you are fully reliant on it i agree mm-hmm. yeah and there, i i at first i didn't really um know th- notice the difference or i i just used to say that there was no real difference anyway between like a emulation and a real synth and then i actually got in the studio and like saw it and i was like fuck okay yeah you can like you can hear the way that the um the waves are combining with an analog synth because it's coming yep. out through circuitry in this sense that it all joins together first yep. whereas with a lot of um plugins it just you can hear that it's like cleanly stacked it doesn't feel like it's literally an electronic wave joining and creating Mm. the shape the frequency output so um yeah i was definitely like shocked by that in a good way like i but yeah you you can't you can't use more than one or two things at the same time and you got to have everything like locked in and like super good studio setup where everything's just running i've definitely been to a few studios where everything's ready to go all the time and yeah. that that was that was good it was like using plugins almost yes um, but you know yeah yeah and each to their own as well like i think the thing is with hardware it's just it's not better it's just different it's like it does sound different yeah even to the you know digital versions of the same thing but yeah better is like an object is is a subjective thing i think because it's like for for one person it might be better to use that for another person it might be better to use the software like i think it does sound better i think it just right might not be worth the 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 effort when it comes to like the mix you know and when you're EQing half those frequencies out and sure maybe even like five years ago it was or 10 years ago it was better but um now you hear how clean or how big and wide and full people make songs digitally that you can see that it's already outdone everything in the past. Um, yeah. So it's just kind of like now we've learned how to be a little bit more careful with the production and make things deeper and bigger and everything like that. It It's not, yeah. it's not necessary, yeah. Yeah, totally, man. That's cool. Um, so you mentioned you're using like a few of the emulations. Is that like the Arturia ones? Yeah, that's what I started with. Um, yeah. And then I was just using, yeah, like some space delay. Um, nice. Sorry, some space echo replica and then like also um, the UAD plugins and stuff. So Yeah, they're and good ones. I, the Arturia bundle now has a whole effects bundle so that's pretty good too if you want like old school flanges like the biphase and um uh studio chorus and yeah you know, they have all of those now with Arturia as well so it's pr- probably a pretty good overall pack that just covers those those things yeah exactly yeah there's even like the dx7 there's the mm-hmm. um jupiter one there's a few out there so in that pack so yeah it's definitely a good shout if you're wanting something um, I think also another one is is good. That's good as Diva. Like I don't know if you've seen Diva. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's that, like I used of, that on mo- on that the first album, like nearly every song. So yeah, because it kind of combines like the best of all of those different ones mm-hmm. into like a nice interface, so it sounds mm-hmm. really thick and full, but yeah. is yeah. friendly to use on the computer as well. I couldn't recreate the sound I made with Diva. I was trying to do it live, and I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I could if I got another synth, but with the yeah. synth that I was using, I couldn't do it. So, yeah, it's it's like, I mean, that says a lot. 
you you can do you can just do a lot with that one plugin and mm. um that would probably be the first thing I would suggest to buy for anyone who wants to, to make analog sounding um, sounds and you know it can go in so many different directions like you said if yeah. you just study that and you know how LFO works and you know how modulation works and you learn those things I mean you that you could do everything with that synth so yeah exactly so um it's a good one for those sounds man um another thing I've noticed is yeah you you also um you know do a lot of your own vocals on your music is that something you've always done I, I know you mentioned you used to be in a band. Um, I don't know if that was kind of part of the reason you've you kind of gravitated towards doing that. Um, yeah, do you want to dive into that for us a little bit? Mm, I can't remember why I started singing. I think it was because yeah, I, I only started with this project pretty much. I, I yeah. did a little bit of it before, but I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's gotten better now to the point where I feel more comfortable about with it. But I think the intention was that kind of like what we we're talking about before in terms of um, trying to like go really down your route of what you are, what your voice is. And I don't mean literal voice. I just mean like kind of metaphorical voice. Like what yeah. story can I tell? What um, are the emotions that come out of me? Yeah. And I've always like gravitated to like really nuanced, melancholy stuff in terms of my favorite style of music. But I actually like didn't really make that that often. And I noticed when I listened to something like the first Tame Impala record, that yeah. really hit me in this way that like felt like a, um, very personal, the notes he chose. And I hadn't heard anyone choose those kind of notes in a long time. Mm. And so eventually I got to that point of like wanting to be able to do that myself. Um, the biggest negative though is like I wanted this project to be an electronic thing I can perform live or I can be turning knobs and I can be playing stuff. But yeah. as soon as... As soon as I started playing live and had to do the vocals, I was like, oh, man, like, I can't move away from the mic. Like, this is a joke. Like, I can play, yeah. like, one thing, you know, turn one knob. Otherwise, you look like you're crazy trying to reach over there while you're turning this knob. Like, it's too many things when you're just stuck on the mic. Like, Yeah, not- unless you have, like, a um, headset <laughs> mic or something, which they don't always sound <laughs> the best. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's pros and cons. But ultimately, it's about for me the re- the released music and um, just trying yeah. to figure that out, like how how deep I want to go with doing the vocals. Like somebody like Caribou, for example, yes, um, does you know all his vocals and occasionally has other people. So I, I kind of like that. Or, mm. um, but it would be so much more liberating to just not sing. I, I'm pretty sure, like you would just <laughs> you would just be able to make a like to make a dance track and put it out. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, that that's the sacrifice of like if you want to do something that's more nuanced in your own mm. direction and flavor, I guess. That's that's interesting. Something I've been experimenting with a bit is like that because I'm, I'm a drum and bass producer, but, you know, not not many people in that space are like singing on their own tracks. But it, yeah, sure. it, yeah, it's like um, it's like a very, yeah, back and forth relationship I have with it too because I'm like, still getting used to the sound of my own voice and and then it's like yeah i don't really want to have to like sing these live i mean i'm still doing dj sets so it's like mm-hmm. hopefully i won't have to but um yeah i definitely know what you mean there is like some things down the track you have to consider when you are um yeah singing on your own music for sure yeah and i, I think it really depends on the scene you know because i've yeah. i've noticed that in some ways i take i've 
I'm taking my options away in terms of like being part of a certain dance music scene because none yes. of those artists would do vocals, you know, their own vocals. Or maybe they would, but not in this kind of like dreamy, melancholy way, you know. Mm. Um, and so that's been hard for me that I want to like be part of something, but I, I want to be something original as well. It's like it's not exactly a crossover, but when you look at like – uh, I wish I could think of more vocalist ideas, but I mean, you know, like somebody like Fortet does his own thing, but yeah. he doesn't sing, and yes. he so he is original, but he also is part of like a world. That's that's kind of cool. Same with like um Floating Point, yeah, and um, you know, Bonobo is somebody who doesn't sing and is also capable of doing something really original. So yeah. Yeah, I think I might like slowly back it off. It's it's hard. It's like two different worlds. It really is trying to combine two things. Yeah, I think at the end of the day as well, it's like you're doing it. It seems like you're doing it because it's another expression tool, but it's not like, you know, your music. Because obviously you release music that doesn't have vocals as well. So it's mm. not like, you know, you're not like branding yourself, I suppose, as a singer necessarily. It's just part of what you do well, you sometimes. have to think about that. You have to be yeah. like, do I want to brand myself as a singer, you know, or yes. not even as a singer, but as a project that I, that I will be on every track, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. I think what you do with that is a good balance, like doing it when like every other track or every, however often you feel like it. Cause then people, you know, you'll get the people who appreciate both, I think in the long yeah. term. So I think, yeah, in the long term, it's usually, um, that originality that like stands out so that's why i'm trying to do it i'm trying to be like don't fall for the traps of trends and like just make your own thing that could potentially be like more powerful in the long run you know totally man i, I as i mentioned i've had a few artists on recently who have all are also in this world where they're like blending genres and as a result yeah it's hard to put put um things in a box you know, and I'm mm. sure you may have experienced this because, you know, the music industry tends to be very like boxed off in a lot of ways. Like you fit into this scene or you fit into, you know, this world. And obviously you're someone who kind of breaks out of that. So I'm curious, did that, did you kind of struggle in the early days when, especially with like the Mild Minds project, like was that difficult to kind of find your path and your footing or or like, was it easier? Like, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it that. It was easy because I didn't really have a plan other than um, wanting to just experiment with no uh, mm. restrictions. So, yeah, I, I didn't listen to half of the music that influenced this project before it. Yes. And uh, there was just, a, there was like this really big crossover period where I got a new laptop and I said to myself, you know what? I'm not bringing any of this trash from this old laptop like you do every time. Well, yeah. not everyone does it, but I did it. Um, where I'm bringing, trying to get the exact same plugins, bringing all my sets over, all my old music, like all of the iTunes stuff. Like I was just like, you know what? I'm going to start fresh, see what happens. Yeah. And that kind of like cleared my mind um, sure. enough that I was like, okay, what else can I add to this? And I was like, why don't I listen to music that I would normally be too snobbish to listen to and not snobbish like I think my music's better or something but more just like I had resigned to not listening that to that for like 15 years just because 15 years ago I didn't think I would listen to it you know so then yeah. I just never opened up 
And then when you get sick of kind of other stuff that you've been listening to for 15 years, you're like, what else is there? And so you yeah. can come full circle and like open up to these things. Yeah, right. So yeah, I that happened at the same time as getting a new laptop, getting Spotify, which was so funny because I don't know how I missed it, you know, how it took me till 2017 to like really get into Spotify. Um, sure. You know, when I was DJing all the time. And I was having to, I was like asking people like, how do I find tracks? Like, this is so frustrating and hard. Like looking on Beatport's bullshit. There's no blogs. Like, how am I supposed to find any music? And then I got Spotify and I was just like, oh my God. Like it's, it's sending me tracks basically. Like, yeah, of new, you know, um, and finding like new inspirations. And that's just what really, that, that like changed the game for me. So yeah, th- those three things and, that led me to just go, you know what? I'm just going to see what comes out. If I listen to music that I think is cool and different, um, what's going to come out? That was the only intention. And then yeah. I just put that album out. Like I didn't even have any real B-sides or anything. And um, I definitely didn't overthink any of those. Mm, that's crazy, man. So I'm trying and to keep that. Yeah. Keep that hard. energy. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, like, how did and how did things come happen with like foreign family and that and like how did they come across your music? Um, I think my manager of the other project knew them and just yeah. sent it out. Cool. This once again, like you know, just you know, having experience in the music industry for a long time definitely pays off because I think a lot of a lot of people listening to this who are like newer, like realize that you know before like you see these people having success there's like years of like just trial and error even if it's with other projects and it's like mm. well i'm at this point now where you, like you've had other projects and you're like well i'm i have like a manager and contacts that i can utilize because i've had mm. this many years of experience but the first project i didn't have that exactly so that was a funny thing like it was kind of both things happened but still luck was involved like the first thing yeah I got it was like the time where music blogs were a big thing. So yeah, I got discovered by yeah. accident almost. Like it wasn't if that hadn't have happened, I'm I still feel like I would somehow have got into the music industry. But yeah, it might not have been as fast and all that stuff. And yeah, um, we all just have so much more competition these days. So cool, man. Want to talk about a few of your new releases as well. So obviously, you've just had your track machine come out is the most recent one. Um, let's talk about that first, and then we'll talk about the one that's coming out later in the week, which is Haunted. Um, yeah, what was your process like for Machine? Um, that, I was borrowing a friend's synth, so that Prophet 5, the new one that came out. Nice. And I was just like, wow, this is crazy. And I had been playing around with certain notes and things before that happened, um, basically since last year. Uh I, I learned piano properly after being like in music for 10 years, you know, and just not, I understood theory and all this stuff, but I could never like physically play. I never knew really like why something was good. Um, and it just opened up my world and like, yeah, so I, I've kind of been working within a set of chords that I, that I try in different um, inversions and different direct, like, uh, different orders and things and i just basically i just dis- i discovered that like most of my favorite tracks work within this this set and sure um, i would have never thought they were the same you know and it's it's not right that they're in the same key and it's like you can move it to any key but it's essentially like if you were in a major key it's these four chords 
avoid the others you know and so i'd been like playing around with that kind of stuff and then um yeah just was in hotel quarantine it was just so bad and so crap oh man (laughs) and um then yeah just played around with that song and with the idea of having like like i mentioned earlier um doing an instrumental then a, a vocal track back and back back and forth up until the next album so i started with no skin that was the first single and then machine yeah. is the second single and that's yeah. the instrumental one and then haunted is a vocal single which is coming out in two days awesome. and then um then after that i'll do a more uh, uh more electronic just dancey song again um cool and so the thing with machine is yeah it's, it's not really a dancey song it's 106 bpm or 108 or something yeah so it's just more a nice experience of like creating emotion within just electronic sounds you know and this intensity and um i was kind of like ruminating on the idea of like the future and i think i'm sure you probably read in the press release like where we're going to be with ai and like machines that automatically build things so i was imagining like space Mm. stations being built by this in these geometric structures like with uh, robots um and it just had this intensity to it that matched the music you know so i I kind of soundtrack these ideas a bit and so that was one of those ones yeah a bit of a soundtrack to an idea that's cool man is that like one of the main kind of driving factors like in terms of inspiration for your music right now is like the whole you know futuristic technological ai sort of i don't know aesthetic almost yeah it's it's about half of it um The other half is like a really that nuanced melancholy human experience thing, you know, yeah. whether it be about loss, uh, discovery, you know, all the all of all of the human experiences. So yeah, um, yeah, it's it's kind of like I that was the thing. Like with haunted, we have the artwork carrying the theme of the the last two singles. So this kind of like almost. Um, mannequin like body so machine has has a very electronic robot kind of female on the cover with lights and details and electronics and this next one it's more mannequin like so it's just one color it's reflective like glass and she's laying in flowers and it has this kind of like death feeling about it right it's very cold and um yeah i feel like in two minds about it because i didn't really want to carry that that ai kind of thing or visual for this song because this song is like superhuman based like this is like a really this is about losing somebody you know yeah and, um so yeah i'm a, a bit in two minds about the artwork side of it but yeah it's basically like these two pulling and pushing um ideas at once with this project i mean it's kind of how i do everything like two ideas at once it's like makes yeah. it harder <laughs> totally and you want to balance it um but like when you find that balance it's like yeah kind of representative of perfectly what you want because yeah i feel like a lot of that kind of um you know robotic not maybe not robotic but like futuristic ai aesthetic is like very you know like i I guess like pc music you know that kind of whole genre and world that was was a thing we were trying to avoid remotely touching on that because I've learned this time and time again throughout uh, my kind of like career, I guess. You 
you can think that something's been done or you can think that something's like not cool and then somebody else does it in a better way and you're just like, oh, man, like I resigned yeah. to not using that or not doing that for so long. But, yes. you know, something something's in your heart. You should just follow it. So yep. with, my, with my other project, that was something like, uh, yeah, a bit more like disco-y. It was like I'd resigned to not making anything kind of disco-y influence for like five to, to seven years or – Right. Um, something that was like too anthemic emotional as well because that was the kind of other side of it and um then people just kept putting stuff out like that and i was like no oh, why didn't i just follow my heart why didn't i follow like my voice and what i'm good at you know why am i trying to always do a new new thing yeah so i learned that lesson and i was like you know i want to i want to do this ai thing and how can i do it in a way that is actually deeper and meaningful not just like using 3d graphics like pc music or whatever yeah yeah um, or like silly it's definitely not silly but um yeah yeah so that that is like a mile so far so good i think but with this new yeah. one haunted like yeah i do feel slightly frustrated that more than any of the covers this this body or female kind of mannequin thing that's in there looks more 3d and um pc music than any of the others because sure. it's yeah it's it's just you know it's a 3d body so how can you not make it look like that yeah. um when it when it was like this yeah the song's supposed to be that other uh, more emotional thing i i think a lot of people though at the end of the day it's like they experience it with like the combination of the music and the artwork together mm-hmm. like it'll have a different it could look like that just as a picture but like with the music as the context, it will have like a different kind of evoke a different response. I feel like yeah, you know? yeah. Usually that that's part of what I'm saying as well. Like yeah, you know, if you if you can create an overall arching thing that's that's stronger, um, you know, only the people that are aware of PC music would even relate that. But mm. they there is always a subconscious current of like you see things around, you know, mild trends, even if they're not like something that you're interested in. So you, you do like, like you have, I don't know if you even like PC music, but it's, you're aware of I don't really listen to it a lot. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but you're kind of aware of the design aspect of it and what they do and, um, which would lead you to judge something, something else made in 3d that, you know, resembles that. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard cause you have to follow, your gut with things and not and things don't always work out and to be honest like this project way more things have worked out yeah. visually than i have had work out in the past so again you can't have everything perfect but like i'm super happy with how it kind of turned out so far totally man i think like one really cool example of what we're talking about like back in the day when majestic casual like the youtube channel mm. used to be like really big i don't know if you um yeah 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 yeah, you know that one like i used to listen and discover a lot of music off that channel and like the visuals they used when they uploaded it on youtube but like for me became part of like how i remembered the song Mm -hmm. and then when i went into like spotify to listen to it and saw like the album cover that the actual artist or label or whatever had used for the release i was like oh this is really different to like what i you know currently imagined because i've seen this like kind of secondary artwork and it kind of created a different like feeling for me if that makes sense Mm. so the visuals that your music becomes paired with uh, whether intentionally or unintentionally yeah makes a huge difference i think so um 
yeah, very interesting, hey? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a hard one to juggle because you just, yeah, you have to submit something at the end of the day and if you're not happy and you've spent like $1,000 on it, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> There's like totally. a, it's, yeah, you can, you can, I, I don't know, I think I've been really lucky this time around that, that a lot of stuff, that I've been happy with a lot of stuff. That's it's usually awesome, not man. the case, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's always that battle of like figuring out what you like and hoping that it resonates with others as well. So, um, and it's it's also that idea of like what we're saying before with vocals or not and fitting into yeah. a scene. Like this song that I've made. Do you know Sebastian Tellier? Have you ever heard of him? Oh, He's like an older name, guy with a beard. Doesn't make electronic. Oh, he does. He does make electronic music, but he has this one song called "The Ritornel," and it's like live drums. It's very emotional. It's got piano. Oh, yeah. It's like a classic of his. Um, and it doesn't fit into an electronic world. And I see this new song more like touching on that than anything. So it wow. doesn't really make sense to me why we would have, uh, you know, a blue mannequin-like body on the cover. You know what I mean? It, it sure. does, doesn't, yeah, it doesn't attach. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen bad artwork and still loved a song. Yeah, yeah. I so you have room to move. Yeah, I um, I mean, uh, at the same time, while I'm saying all this stuff about artwork, like most people probably just chuck a playlist on and then it's like listen to the music. Yeah, exactly. So that that is, is probably eighty percent. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's hard. To, it's hard to know, but I mean, I at least appreciate visuals. So. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> think sure I think what I was about to say, I went off on tangent. Sorry. No, that's so, all good. Yeah, with the idea of like the vocals and the scene and things like that. Yeah. I think that, for example, this cover doesn't fit the scene that the music fits and sure like like you've said people would judge based on like the, the art a little bit like mm. does it fit into this scene because i would never like that art or this or that so that's the f- most frustrating for me it's like if you get the art wrong you can turn people off like that that's the f- of a good song yeah so. it's actually such a good point like yeah, it's it's a hard, it's once again it's a really hard balance. I think it's just like trying things because you still want to do what you want to do at the end of the day. But um you also I mean the positive spin on it is you could get people appreciating your music who normally wouldn't as well, I guess. So that's mm. that's that's what could happen too, but Exactly, yeah. Yeah, man. And and also like you eventually lead the way. Like if you do your own thing mm. and you don't try to fit into every little box, you eventually find a path where you're leading the way. And yes. if everyone starts to jump on you and you become a hot artist for a, a moment, yeah. then you're the one leading and you, you can utilize that in your favor to push things forward and have people follow you, you know? Yeah. So th- that's kind of like ultimately where any artist should want to be at. Um, yeah, man. No, that's a good point. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, man. So you got obviously a lot of a lot of these this, these last two singles coming out, which is exciting. Um, I'm curious what because obviously you've had a you know album come out um, in the past. You had mood. Everyone can go check that out in the show notes for this episode, as well as the other singles we mentioned, of course, as well. They'll all be linked there. But um, yeah, I mean, apart from that, what's coming up in the next like you know zero to twelve months for you? Um, yeah, so a few more singles. I think okay. there's going to be a total of five singles. Cool. 
as I said, jumping between the dancey instrumental and the vocal song. Yeah. Um, and then we hit the album, which I'm going to be working on. I'm going to have to wait till about June next year to work on. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, I'll do try to focus really hard for a few months there. Yeah. And um, we'll, we'll be leading in with a few singles there. So I imagine that there'll probably be another yeah five or six singles over the next 12 months and then a, then album coming out the end of next year. Um, Touring-wise, I mean, there's not much on the horizon because touring's just still up in the air. I mean, I've had so many yeah. good friends actually go out on Limbo Couture and have to stop halfway because one member gets COVID or, um, yeah. you know, the staff get COVID. So it's just like it's too high risk. Um, sure. But I'm, I'm liking it, more chance to create, you know. Yep. But hopefully we can come out of this like with uh, a lot happening for this project and, you know, be able to like jump into something. Totally. Have you got like kind of a cool live show in your mind sort of planned or? Um. I'm just really like, for example, the previously I've done a lot of support slots, yeah, and that was like so such a breath of fresh air because I'm used to like all the pressure being on us with our other project and yeah, um, just opening for somebody was such a great way to like practice and and not feel extremely stressed. Um, so I'm I'm probably going to keep it simple like that for a while, where it's just me uh, on stage. Um, no visuals necessarily yeah hopefully if, if things go really well and we, it's looking like it's going to pick up um to do our own tickets then yeah it will be I'll, I'll i'll think of a good live show then but uh right now i'm just focusing on the music totally man that's awesome no well um everyone keep an eye out um for those those singles and yeah potential potential shows hopefully once once all this stuff starts to settle down mm-hmm. um but yeah man this has been super fun i have one last question that i ask pretty much everyone who comes on here kind mm-hmm. of a bit of a fun one uh if you had a time machine uh, in terms of like your musical journey what would be one thing you would go back and change if you could I feel like with this project, I can't say that yet. It might be too soon. Okay. Yeah. I'm actually like quite comfortable with everything, but maybe I can use the old project as an example. Sure. Um, yeah. And it's a huge lesson, you know, and yeah. that's what I've utilized those lessons into this. Yeah. So, yeah, I would just argue that f- trying to like follow trends and not be yourself um, too much is like, it's just, it just is a bad move. Like mm. you're, um, so for me, I think going off on that tangent and constantly chasing things as opposed to leading, which I had the opportunity to lead with the, the yep. last project, um, that was the biggest waste of time probably I would say. Right. Because um, you're always chasing a tail and I was also very slow at producing. So um that was another thing but you can't really change that can you so um yeah i would yeah. say for everyone to yeah to, to to work hard at not caring too much about what other people think yep um because you're just going to lose yourself ultimately for sure yeah. yeah that's great advice man we um before i host this podcast we had Kashmir on and like obviously he's like a real really big in like the kind of edm space in general um and you know like 
when he was, you know, he used he produced the song like a G six, you know, Far East uh-huh. Movement, and right. said like, you know, that was a great huge success, but it just didn't fulfill him. So even at that level of like crazy success, it just you know, I'm sure you found that yeah. the same. The same you can have like success with something that doesn't represent you, and you still don't feel like you know that fulfillment maybe so mm-hmm. yeah it's a it's a good lesson to uh to remember for everyone out there and and i think like listening. yeah so even with with lockdown and uh last year basically that was a huge awakening i think for a lot of people to 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 realize like that trends that fashion that all these transient rush of everything that's happening so quickly and moving so quickly these days um that that stuff's semi irrelevant and we had yeah. such a cool off period that like New fashion didn't really come out, didn't change. Um, design and music trends kind of just went more spread, like they, they became less less trend-based. It was more just like everyone yeah. can do their thing. Yeah. And so that mixed with that regret that I told you about made me realize like, okay, I don't have any more time. Like I don't have any more time to fuck around. Yeah. What is What can I make that is special? And so even with the other project, um, I'm working super hard to just – have an album that is this unique story and experience that nobody else can recreate because then I have a place to a reason to exist, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's where the fulfillment fulfillment comes from. So yeah. yeah, if that there was those two lessons combined. And I think a lot of people probably felt the same last year and learned like, Hey, you know, like even, even when clubs were closed, people were like, wait, I'm a club music producer. What the hell am I supposed to do? You know? Yeah. Um, and I think that made people think about the deeper stuff that that they could also be doing as well. Hundred percent, man. It's uh, I think it's definitely impacted like the type of music people write, for sure. Yeah. Um, definitely a lot more melancholic, like reflective music mm-hmm. has come out in the last couple of years. Now I think I love mm-hmm. it. I love that kind of music, so I can't complain. But yeah, um, and a lot of people went and yeah. did ambient projects and stuff. It's kind of funny. Um, yeah, definitely, man. So I yeah I, I hope like if you look back at like um, through history there's always these great artists that stand out and we've kind of lost that a little bit like you know I don't know if this will offend anyone but I don't really think like Billie Eilish is a great artist of our generation like she yeah, she did some stuff a little bit different but it's not it's not for me you know and Fair, so yeah a, a lot of the big artists who have that reputation are super pop mm. and we don't really have like really big alternative artists like maybe Damien Parler is a good example, I guess, but you know, they're yeah. a very specific sound. Yeah. Um, and so I think like, yeah, hopefully out of this time comes more people, more people who attempt to do something great. Like, mm. I mean, I, I was never a huge fan of Radiohead in the early days. I appreciate them, but like they were a great yeah. example of like somebody who alternative wise was massive and continued a long career and was, was, um, push push boundaries and like where are the people pushing the boundaries these days yeah i know what you mean that's yeah very fair point yeah super interesting man um well i think we'll leave it there man this has been an amazing interview um thank you so much again for taking time out and coming on yeah Uh, if people want to go check your stuff out where can they find you online man um yeah just the usual mild minds on instagram on spotify and apple music sweet as everyone so yeah they'll all be in the description um but yeah everybody this has been the edm podcast with me aiden russell aka artsy we've had ben aka mild minds on 
Thank you so much, man. Yeah, thanks for having me.